Hello, and thanks for listening to This is Yoga Therapy. I'm your host, Michelle Lawrence. This podcast is a venue for sharing topics in the field of yoga therapy today. Whether you're a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, healthcare provider, or individual with curiosity, this is the place to learn about the latest ideas, personal healing stories, research, and work that is cutting edge and making a difference. While you're here, expect to expand your knowledge on the emerging field that is yoga therapy. For today's episode of This is Yoga Therapy, I had the opportunity to talk with Maria Mendola. Maria Mendola's work helping people overcome disease started in the world of Western medicine as a nurse. However, when she saw and experienced just how powerful the breath is in healing, she knew it was time for her to more fully integrate past learning while seeking a more holistic direction. This insight took her down new paths, investigating ancient arts along with new modalities. She sought out and studied with experts in Ayurveda, including Dr. Vasant Ladd, Dr. Robert Svoboda, Dr. Carl Huge, and Dr. Paul Douglas. She learned structural yoga therapy from Mukunda Styles and LePage's integrative yoga therapy. She also studied trauma release, dance therapy, kinesiology, and homeopathy. For two years, she lived with the Cherokee tribe and studied in depth their shamanic ways. Maria's formal yoga studies include a 200-hour yoga teacher training with Mount Madonna's Guru Baba Haridas and continuing education through Ananda Yoga. She also studied in the 500-hour and 1,000-hour integrative yoga therapy trainings, the 700-hour structural yoga therapy training with Mukunda Styles, and continuing education with T.S. Little's Prajna Yoga. Today, Maria offers yoga classes, holds Ayurveda and functional yoga therapy workshops in Tucson and across the nation, and teaches for respected international schools of yoga therapy, including inner peace yoga therapy. She provides opportunities for cleansing, balancing, and rejuvenating with the seasons. She also holds clinics, provides online seminars, writes ebooks, and provides private consultations and one on one sessions in person and via the internet. Welcome, Maria Mandola, to This is Yoga Therapy. I'm so excited that you're here today to talk with us. Hi. So in this podcast, I like to highlight the personal healing stories and yoga therapy work that's cutting edge today. And because I've come to know you a little bit and your work through the years, I know that you're someone who not only has an amazing personal healing story, but also does cutting edge work. So let's start by focusing on you and your story. So when were you first drawn to yoga? And can you share with us one or two examples of how yoga helped you heal through some pretty serious injury? Well, I was actually drawn to yoga when I was in high school. And it was on TV. It was Lilius, Lilius Folan. And she was on PBS. And I would rush home after school to put it on. I would even put my little leotards on like she had. And I would sit there in front of the TV and do yoga with her. So that's where I began. And I can say that I, you know, I never stopped kind of thing. Like I've done many things in my life, but that the concept of yoga as a way to center myself, to focus, to find deeper meaning, and also to feel better in my body has always been 
either in the background or in the forefront. So that's kind of where I began. <laughs> as far as some examples of how it's really helped me, I mean, there are so very many. I did have a couple of really large accidents sometime back, and uh, one I was hit by a pickup truck while on my bicycle in Mexico and suffered a really severe injury. And when they finally got me home, they discovered I actually had a series of compression fractures in my spine. I was barely able to breathe, and I was not able to move the right side of my body. And it was very scary because my kids were very small. And I can't, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that it was just this thing. I did yoga, everything was good. But I, I went through a long period of time of really trying to pick up the pieces and figuring out what to do. But the piece that helped me the most was working with my breath, really learning how to focus so that I could manage the pain. And then as I started to get my ability to move my limbs back, the pain even got worse. And I was refusing all pain medication because I really wasn't sure what to do. And the doctors weren't very positive back then in orthopedics. That was some time back. So yoga, I actually checked myself into Mount Madonna. I had been there many times and spent uh, chunks of time there. I went there for their very first yoga teacher training program, and I ended up staying there for about 45 days and not only got an actual certification, which was new in the world back then, but I also really got some very deep healing with all of the techniques and really just staying focused on myself for that chunk of time. The other big thing that happened to me that I'll just say is um, many years later, I was at a concert and a light fixture fell from above, very large light fixture, and it knocked me out cold. And I ended up having a whole intense, crazy brain injury that caused all sorts of issues I can say that there was just nothing. They just wanted to load me with medications. And basically, I was left with some pretty severe things going on. So I was able to get in touch with somebody in Germany that was doing research on uh, uh, pranayama techniques and brain injury. And this was, of course, a long time ago. But I ended up doing all the different things that he had found was working in his study. And it really was helpful. And I, to this day, no matter how busy I am, no matter what's going on, I always take time for my breath work, my focus work, my meditation practice. To me, that has really been the really strong part of yoga. Mm, such amazing stories. You know, I'm just so impressed by your own work there and kind of your own injury as a laboratory, if you will, for yoga and healing on some really deep levels. And I'm equally as impressed with the work that you do now in the world, what you've come to call functional yoga therapy. Perhaps you can share with us how this work came about and really what influences your work. I know that your own journey influences it, but what else? I know there's a lot of different things that you've studied, lots of different modalities. So share with us kind of the components of functional yoga therapy and the influences of it and what okay. it really looks like. Yeah. I didn't mention with that last thing that I'm a registered nurse and I have a master's degree in community health. And I chose as my thesis with that wellness 
different wellness concepts. And so I always felt like there was a lack in modern medicine and really getting to the heart, like getting to the true symptomatology of what's really going on and really helping somebody more with lifestyle, more of a coaching concept. So as a nurse, it was always a little frustrating. There was so much we could do as nurses because it really is very holistic. But then there was there were always these kind of walls or doorways that were shut. And so at some point, as I was going through my own healing journey, I had to take a big chunk of time off of work. And during that time, I really started like thinking about, well, how can all of this not only benefit me, but start to benefit the general public. And that was when I met Joseph LePage. And this was in the late 90s. He was doing what he called integrative yoga therapy. And it was new for him. And he had put together this amazing program of an integrated system that looked at the whole person, the whole spirit, the Panchamaya Kosha model, which is the five koshas or sheaths or layers of who we are. I remember talking to him on the phone and thinking, oh my God, this really fits in with my prior education as a nurse. And then the master's degree work I did in wellness and community wellness. And so I just found all of that to be really exciting. And he invited me to come into his program. So I did that and I ended up getting that certification kind of post 200 hours. I think back then, I don't know what they called it back then. Maybe it was 500 hours. And then I ended up teaching for him because I had a strong background in anatomy and kinesiology and rehab nursing. And so I ended up teaching with him until just a year ago. And it was an amazing journey. And during that time, I met Makunda Stiles, who had uh, put together his program called Structural Yoga Therapy. And Makunda was part of uh, the LePage system way back then and teaching in integrative yoga therapy. And so I ended up uh, going and studying with uh, Makunda Stiles for a long time. I mean, the intensive study was about a year and a half for me. It was about 700 or 750 hours, and we had to do a thesis, and mine was on uh, scoliosis. And I just was so excited because of the structural components and the idea of also putting that into play with all of the koshas, the concept of us as human beings and also really plugged into a consciousness where we really can change who we are and we can really recreate our existence. And I really believe that. So then I started um, kind of assisting Makunda whenever he needed help around the country. And during that time, I met up with T.S. Little, who I just love as well, uh, Prajna Yoga out of Santa Fe. And I, I love how he really combines in the somatics work and has a very strong background in anatomy and the anatomy of movement. And I just found that. And then Doug Keller, I started studying with him. And I just found that this all just makes so much sense. And I would really like to take a lot of what all this is and how it's been working for me and my clients and put it together into a system, which I then called uh, functional yoga therapy, and really take it into the functional daily world, not just the yoga studio. And in fact, most of the people I see 
don't even do yoga and they just are starting to get interested or somebody told them to come and see me or I was the last door, you know, for them to knock at. And so my goal of doing that many years ago of actually creating a functional system that can be shared with anybody, you don't have to have a certain yoga background, has really come true. And I love the work. So basically, the functional yoga therapy is a combination of many of these things. And then on top of that, things that I have learned over time, especially deeper assessments and putting together multifaceted treatment plans to help somebody fit it into their lifestyle. That's so awesome. So maybe you could share with us what a functional yoga therapy session looks like. Tell us about the process, who comes to see you. It sounds like it's not your average yoga student that comes to see you, yeah. um, but what kind of person would come to see you and what kind of techniques are you bringing into your sessions with them? Okay. Well, th let me just preface that by saying that during all that time, all of those years where I was just a perpetual student, I also started studying with Dr. Ladd uh, out of Ayurvedic Institute, and then I ended up going to Brazil because I was teaching in Brazil two and sometimes three times a year, and I ended up studying with Dr. Huguet, and I started putting together these systems of Ayurveda that could fit in really well with the structural components, and because really, we're so, as humans, we're so dynamic and multifunctional and multidimensional, and there's always these other components. And, and a lot of times it comes down to what are we eating and how do we feel 20 minutes after we eat something? And, and what's the, what season is this uh, issue occurring in? And, and what are some of the other components that are happening at the same time? So I started putting that into place. And so the functional yoga therapy system has a strong Ayurvedic component that's more from a lifestyle coaching concept as well as orchestrating various cleansing and purification sorts of things. So what a session looks like is often I'm contacted by somebody who knows nothing about what I do or about yoga in, you know, other than the generalities that are out there in the media. And they're oftentimes in this place of desperation where they've got something going on in their body and nothing's, nothing's helping them and they've tried so many things. And so I almost always start with an intake form that starts online because then I can look it over really well and a lot of these conditions are really unusual and I might look them up and get a bigger picture, that kind of thing. And then when they come in, I can zoom in and ask key questions and start working with them from there. I almost always do a postural assessment and these days much more of a moving assessment and a functional assessment like how does it look when you pick up this box? How does it look when you go to squat to pick this up? And I watch them get out of their car when they come in to the treatment space, all of these things because I want to really see what their true functional lifestyle is like. The other thing I do with a lot of people is I have them FaceTime in so I can have them walk me around their house and I can see where did they sleep and what sort of bed and where do they sit for watching TV and how much TV and how is their kitchen set up. So all of those things, I'm really looking once again for that functional concept. 
And then from there, we do a variety of assessments. And as a lot of the assessments that I've created and that I've also learned from Makunda Styles and other people are really in many ways can become the actual treatment as well. And I really like to create self-care based assessments so somebody can feel like they can do this on their own and they don't have to keep coming back to me or they'll just come back for some fine tuning. As we're doing these different things, I also now employ short videos and photos that I'm taking of them that I only share with them so that they can really check in on how they're doing something. And so that's kind of, and what kind of people do I see? Just all kinds. They tend to come in in sections. Like I went through a period of two years where it was almost all spinal cord sorts of clients. And it was like, oh my God, what's going on here? And then I'll tend to get a run on hip replacements or degenerations, lots of knee issues, tons lately of shoulder issues. I see a lot of people from the fitness world, lots and lots. And in fact, the fitness world with CrossFit has just exploded my business. I mean, there's just so much that could happen. And so I'm actively looking at how to create a bigger internship system with people that want to study with me so that we can get this more out there in a way that we can serve more people. Mm -hmm. So in your work with clients, what might the homework that you give to your clients look like? You know, after they leave your office or your space, space, what might you uh, suggest that they do for their homework? What might that look like? Okay. Well, I try to put all of myself into really listening to them and observing them and like witnessing them as they're with me during that time frame. And so I'll listen to the words they're using. And oftentimes, especially when people are in lots of chronic pain and things, they'll use words that are not so nice about themselves, like my bad arm, you know, my awful leg, that thing I'm trying to not think about, you know, things like that. And so I'll note that wording and I always will help guide them through an affirmative process where they'll create an affirmation or a positive statement that I'll ask them to consider writing down or stating at different times. I'll even give them little post-it notes to take with them to put it on places in their house and things. So I always have that because I feel like the subtle body is even more important than the structural body. Like the subtle body is really where it all begins. And then the typical session that I ask them to do almost always begins with a breath work, nothing fancy, but really more once again, witnessing their breath as well as then working on a longer exhale. Maybe if they have brain injury, we'll work with different alternate nostril sorts of breathing. I'll always give them a few mudras if they want to consider them. But then we always, the framework of functional yoga therapy is always to have a somatics concept first, which is a slow purposeful movement based usually around one joint and focused on breath around that. And so we'll use some of that. Sometimes we'll use the joint freeing series, which I think is so wonderful. And I have an advancement of that that Makunda Stiles shared with us before he passed away. And it was never put in writing though. And so we'll maybe some of that. And then I'll give them some asana that are specific for what we're working on, more or less to maybe do some light stretching, but more strengthening. 
And I also work with neurokinetic therapy, and I'm trained at the level three, and neurokinetic therapy helps to find the correct neural relay patterns through the body and turn them back on because we all have these different ways of compensating in our bodies. And so I'll usually give them one or two neural repatterning things to do within their treatment plan. So you might say, oh my God, that's like so much (laughs) because I also like to try to finish with something restorative and just really yummy for them. But it really is not because the way I like to run my sessions is I like to try to get my clients to be really honest and tell me how much time they have to work on what they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I want them to be super honest. And so it might be 10 minutes, three times a week. And then I will honor that and create something because I'm an amazing multitasker, as I know you are. (laughs) And so I'll create something which will put those concepts in there. And maybe that restorative piece will happen later in the day. Or maybe they'll wake up with some mudras and breath work. It's separate. Like I really try to fit into their lifestyle. And that's super important, too, in terms of giving them something that they're empowered to do, right? You have to make it realistic and fit into their lifestyle. You really do. Mm -hmm. Really do. So I'm curious, because you've worked in this field now a number of years, and you've seen so many different people with lots of different things going on. I'm just kind of curious, like, what some trends might be in the world today, perhaps some of the lifestyle habits that are creating imbalances, how it may be changing posture, movement, contributing to lack of function or dis-ease. I know you mentioned CrossFit and and now a lot of (laughs) (laughs) work coming from that. What else? What else? Well, I think it's just become such a chronic issue that people are so sedentary because we're stuck at the computer, we're stuck at the desk, where we have these repetitive movement lifestyles that can create really a lot of joint degeneration. And before that, really poor posturing. And so what I see over and over are really conditions related to sedentary lifestyles, and then weekend warriors. So somebody might be at their desk for five days, long hours, and then they're then on the two days off for the weekend, they're going crazy, you know, trying to get active, but then they're hurting themselves because we really need a little bit of everything every day in some way. So I see this as now affecting our younger people. It used to be mostly, you know, people in their mid to late 30s into their 40s. And that's certainly extended much later in age. But now we're seeing it in kids. I see so many. I'm seeing more children and I usually don't. But I'm seeing more children with all kinds of issues, carpal tunnel, neck issues, shoulder issues. It's their poor posturing. They all have tech neck. We all have tech neck with our cell phones and our iPads and all of that stuff. And so I I'm seeing this as just a crazy thing, and I don't really see that the schools are really promoting our children to have good posture anymore. They're not, there really isn't time in some school systems even for a gym program or an art program to feed the emotions. And so there's all of those things, and I feel like it's just gotten bigger and bigger. 
Yeah, and I know that uh, even I've seen some things on NPR recently about posture, and certainly the sedentary lifestyle is leading to a whole host of diseases. So, you know, I think there's such a role for yoga and yoga therapy to help reverse that, right, and change the course of all that. Yes, I totally believe there is. And it's like finding those niche places, those places that you feel really good about what you do and what you can do. And volunteering, that's what I always tell my students that come and study with me and then want to know how they can break into the field and things. It's like, go volunteer, go volunteer somewhere where you feel like you're, what you can offer could be helpful, like postural assessments at a gym postural assessments at a high school football team. And that's what I did. I did that over and over to see where I belong and to hone my skills. I mean, right now we've got, it's, there's some good stuff going on. Like corporations are embracing yoga therapy. Over here, we've got IBM, we have AOL, you know, uh, where my son lives, there's Pixar, there's Google. You know, there's these big places that have yoga therapists on the staff. And I really see us as really the fastest growing modality in the world. And we have a place. And the standardizing has probably been good in so many ways. And I think we just now need to step forward as a group and really look at what else we have to learn and how to better hone our skills and, uh, and get out there and offer it. I totally agree. So last question here, and I like to pose this to each person that I interview. So we're grateful to have you on faculty in our school, Inner Peace Yoga Therapy. And in our training programs, we teach our students who are studying to become yoga therapists that one of the key pillars to doing the work of a yoga therapist is to first have your own steady daily sadhana or spiritual practice. This sets the foundation and comes before holding space and doing any work with others. So I know you've cultivated your own steady sadhana for many years, and I'm sure it's probably changed over the years as well. But can you tell us what your daily sadhana looks like today? Sure. I love that. I totally love that. And I promote the same thing. And I want to say before I say that, I love working with inner peace yoga therapy. I just feel like it's so well-rounded and our students are so excellent. I just love it. So, but yeah, my daily sadhana begins very early. I actually try to get up before the sun every day. I feel like I need that first morning prana. And the other thing I have to do is I have to step outside. No matter where I am, I have to step outside and really feel it in some way. I try to find it. I try to find that eastern direction. I always start with a mug, a large mug. It's actually a ball jar, a quart ball jar of uh, warm water with some lemon in it in order to clear my digestion, which I find really helps me clear my mind and it helps me to focus. So I have that. I step outside. I often do my earliest morning sadhana in the hot tub. I, if I'm at home, I have a hot tub and I don't use any awful chemicals in it. And I get in there and it faces east and I wait for that sun to come up and I do my mudras. I have a very quiet chant that I was given as a gift many years ago that I do. And then I get very quiet and I usually just focus on my breath. That's really helpful for me. And then if I am able to, I'll do a bit of a movement practice outside, which is mostly somatics. 
So I've also studied HANA somatics and Feldenkrais movement. And so I will mostly do a somatics-based practice depending on what I need that day. So I am assessing myself every day. And then I'll add in some yoga postures. And I usually in the morning don't have time for a big shavasana. Usually it's a very just quiet, like thanking everything, (laughs) thanking all the elements. But I have to say that later on, just before bed, I once again have a sadhana. Oftentimes it's shorter, but it involves mudras. And I have certain mudras that I like to use almost every day. And it just quiets me. I kind of do a reverie process in my mind to release the day. And then I go to sleep. That sounds really nice. Yeah. And and I'm a busy person, as people Mm -hmm. know. And and, but I, I don't feel complete unless I've done and it doesn't have to be the same amount of time. It can be Mm -hmm. very short, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it seems like when we make time for our, our daily practice, then time doesn't really become an issue, right? Not having enough time. It actually seems to give you more space in a way in your day. I agree with you totally. I really think in many ways, time is man-made, you know, and and we're really in this bigger dream and we can really become lucid in our dream and really create it the way we want to. And I know there, there are certain times like right now in my life, it's really busy, but it's also really joyous and wonderful. And I know that there's space spaciousness in there as well. Well, thank you so much, Maria. I really enjoyed our time together today. Thank you, Michelle. And to learn more about Maria Mendola and to find out where she's traveling and teaching, please visit mariaalive.com. This has been a production of Inner Peace Yoga Therapy. To learn more about us, visit innerpeaceyogatherapy.com. And by the way, The music that you're hearing today is from the John Stickley Trio.